Hey there, and thank you for tuning in to the King's House podcast. We are a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until a family is there. Then that house becomes a home. So today, we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. King's house. Is there anybody excited to be in God's house today? Man, would you look at your neighbor and say, you are the best looking thing I have seen all day. And if you're married and that wasn't your spouse, you're in big trouble, man. Big trouble. Um, I, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited. Like this is my favorite day of the whole year. It, when the, the, the day Jesus was born was no doubt an important day. But this is the day that separates Christianity from every other belief system on earth. This is it. You can go to the grave of Muhammad. You can go to the grave of Buddha. And you can go to the grave of Jesus too. But the only difference is, is that Jesus is not in that grave. Come on, somebody. This is the day, man. And I'm just so excited for what God's already done and what he's going to continue to do. This is my second time preaching this morning. So I got all the kinks worked out. You guys are going to get a good one. Are you ready? Man, it's going to be amazing. If this is your first time at the King's House, I just want to say a humongous welcome home to you. We are so honored and happy to have you here this morning. Come on, King's House. Let your first time guests hear about it. It's my prayer today that you won't just come and experience a church service. You can go to lots of places and experience a church service. But my prayer today is that you are going to have a very real encounter with a very living, loving Jesus in a life-changing kind of way. That's my prayer for every heart that's in this room. Do you believe that Jesus can do it this morning? I know he can. I know he can. And we're starting a brand new series today. Uh, come back next week for part two. But the name of this series is Rebuilds. And this year we're doing something all year long. Can you help me out a little bit, King South? We're going to rebuild. Good job, class. That was wonderful. Rebuild with all your heart. The title of my message this morning is this. Your story isn't over. Look at your neighbor and say, your story isn't over. As a matter of fact, I believe that it's just getting started. And, and I believe that this chapter of your story is going to be the best one yet. I believe that this morning, King's House. Let's just have a word of prayer before we dive in. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for paying for my sins. And thank you that you rose from the grave with resurrection power. Father, I'm just so thankful. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would have your way in this service and everything that takes place. If you don't, I can't this morning, Holy Spirit. I ask that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says. Well, do you remember when you were a kid... And some of you got to think a little bit further back than some others of us in this room, you know what I mean? But do, do you remember when you were a kid and you just couldn't wait to grow up and be an adult? Have you ever made a bigger mistake in all of your life? I mean, have you ever bought into a bigger lie that adulting is going to be so wonderful? Are you kidding me? I mean, I would give so much to go back in time some days. Do, do you remember when your parents had to force you to take a nap as if it was some kind of punishment? 
And now you would literally give anything most days, like it is the rarest and most precious of occasions. God, if I could just get 20 minutes, please. Unless, of course, you're like Pastor Blake and you don't even have to be laying down to take a nap. Then you can take them every day all over the place. I've literally walked into his office. He's been sitting straight up in his chair. Hands on the keyboard, friends, like mid-type. It's a freaking gift, man. I'm so envious of that guy some days. But there are definitely some times that I wish I could go back. I mean, as a child, it's, life seems easier. There's, there's less responsibilities. There's less expected of you. You believe the world is a bright, wonderful place full of opportunities. You believe everything that your parents teach you. I mean, I was literally like 10 years old before I realized my dad really didn't used to hunt Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like, I believe that. He told me every night for years I used to hunt T-Rex. Like, wow, dad, you're amazing. But then you get older and life starts to happen, doesn't it? And I don't think it's something that you do consciously. Like, I don't think you do it on purpose. But every single person in this room, at some point in your life, started building up walls. You really did. It was inevitable. And it might have happened sooner or later for some of you. But at some point in life, somebody broke your trust. And you decided, man, trusting people is dangerous. And there's this something inside of humans that, like, you convince yourself that I need walls for protection behind here. I'm so much safer. And, and you realize that the more that you trust people, the more you are empowering that person and giving them the ability to hurt you. Anybody in this room ever experienced any hurts? Oh, the rest of you are liars. My goodness, you've all experienced help on Jesus. It doesn't have to be some big, bad, ugly hurt, but maybe it is. I mean, the truth is that there's probably a huge uh, amount of people in this room today that have experienced some abuse, some trauma, on some very serious levels, mental abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. I mean, the statistics in Pittsburgh County are overwhelming. I understand that some of you have been through some stuff, and so you build up walls. You don't like getting hurt. And it's easy to say like, well, you can't control what happens to you. You can only control what happens in you. And that's true, but that's really easy for you to say if you're not the one going through hell over here, living through all sorts of abuse and hardship and trauma. But if you're not careful... And you don't let God heal those things in your heart. You make the decision like, I'm going to deal with this. I'm just going to smoosh it down. I got this. I'm all right. If you don't allow God to heal those things, then something very, 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 very dangerous starts to take place in your life. It's called unforgiveness. And I know that this doesn't sound like the biggest, scariest of all words. It's not all that menacing. But can I tell you, I don't know that there's... Very few things in life that are more detrimental to you as a person, more detrimental to your walk with the Lord than this right here, unforgiveness. Scripture even says that if you allow this to take root in your life, that you give the enemy a foothold in your life. 
this is serious stuff, man, because a foothold isn't just like a nice, comfortable place to put your foot and wiggle your toes. Like, man, that's a nice foothold. No, you use a foothold because you want to keep going, because there's places that you want to get to. How many of you know this morning that if you give the enemy an inch in your life, he don't just take an inch, friend. He keeps on taking. Are you aware of this this morning? That's his job, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Oh, friends. And when you allow the enemy to get a foothold in your life, and you allow those walls to continue to be built, it's really unbelievable how quickly things can begin to go south in your life. Maybe some of you can identify with it, but it's such a slippery slope, and all of a sudden you can't believe some of the decisions you're making. You can't believe some of the choices and some of the compromise, like, this isn't like me. What's going on in my life? You look in the mirror on a Monday morning and you're like, who is that person looking back at me? I don't even recognize them. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And why can't I stop doing the things that I'm doing? The walls just keep getting bigger and bigger. And again, the enemy's so good at his job. He's had thousands of years of practice. But the more bad decisions you make and the more sinful choices you make, then the more he just reminds you of those choices. And man, he piles on guilt and he piles on shame and he piles on regret. And he has this unbelievable way of stripping anything and everything that's good from your life. All your joy, all your passions, those things that used to just get you out of bed in the morning. All, all the things that you used to look forward to, the happiness, the, man, he strips those things out of your life. And before you know it, you got all these dark clouds hanging over your head. You're dealing with all sorts of depression and anxiety and loneliness. And, man, I know what this dark cloud feels like. I lived here for years of my life. And it's just like no matter what you do, you just can't shake it. You know the right things to do and you just can't seem to do them. And you just feel so hopeless and you just feel so helpless. And the walls just keep getting bigger, friends. Is this for anybody in the room this morning? Maybe I need to be preaching at another church today. And you can only do this for so long. I mean, some of us are so strong. It's admirable. And you just keep plowing away. But you can only do this for so long. Long before you have to start looking for ways to cope. I mean, nobody just likes to go through life miserable and unhappy. So you start looking for ways to cope. And man, addiction can look like all sorts of different things. I mean, maybe you turn to alcohol. Maybe you turn to prescription drugs. I mean, maybe in your mind it's not that bad. But maybe you just start pouring your life into a career. You're addicted to feeling valuable from your job, from your paycheck. Maybe you get addicted to just living vicariously through your children. The more they succeed, the more you succeed. And that's your only sense of worth and, and, and success in your life. Many Americans become prisoners to possessions. They equate what they own to their success and their happiness. Boy, if I could just get that car, I'd be so happy. People would think I was so amazing. And you get that car and what happens? You ain't happy, it's a stupid car. All you're doing is spending more money on a payment and insurance and gas, good grief. Well, it wasn't the car, so maybe it's the house. Maybe it's the boat. You're a prisoner to possessions, and you just keep seeking and you keep seeking, but really, you're trying to find a way to cope with the walls that you've built because you wake up and you realize one day, I'm completely trapped behind these walls. 
The enemy promised me safety and security, but what did I get instead? I got an absolute prison, except it's a prison that I created. It's such a dangerous place to be. You know that, that God promised love and joy and peace and life and life more abundantly. And you can see it from a distance. And you see it working in other people's life. But you just have this feeling that it's always just past your fingertips. For some reason, God blesses other people, but he just doesn't bless me. And I'm miserable. And I'm lonely. And I'm struggling. But I come to church every single Sunday morning. God bless you, Pastor Mark. Good to see you. Shake the hands. Kiss the babies. Can I tell you this morning, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. But can I tell you this? It's not okay to stay not okay. I know somebody that has some answers this morning. Hey, if this is you this morning, can I give you some good news? Are you ready? Your story isn't. Over. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, your story isn't over. I want to read you a beautiful passage of scripture out of Mark chapter 5. This passage is about a dude that knew something about walls. It's a passage about a man that knew about being in a prison. He had experience, man. Listen to this story. First one says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasians. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains and he, he smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Whoa, man. I mean, this guy is in a bad way. Would you agree with that this morning? Now, we don't know anything about this individual before this exact moment in his life, but I do think we can draw some assumptions this morning, if you'll allow me just a little bit of leeway. Is that okay, church? Even if it wasn't, I was going to take some leeway, but thank you anyways. I think we can all assume today that he probably didn't get that way overnight. I mean, don't just wake up one morning and just you find yourself in that type of situation. I think we can also agree that that's probably not where he wanted his life to end up. I mean, I imagine that when he was in school and like career day came rolling around, I just can't imagine him raising his hand when they say, hey, little Johnny, what do you want to be in 20 years? Like, well, I mean, it's different, but I don't know. I, I thought maybe I could be demon-possessed. <laughs> Running around naked, living in the tombs, howling at the moon. Oh, cutting myself with shock, sharp rocks. Like, I don't know, just a dream of mine. I think we can all agree that probably wasn't how this scenario played out. I think we can also agree that he probably didn't get that way on his own, meaning that he more than likely had some help to find himself in that kind of bondage behind those kind of walls. I think it's safe to assume that this man probably experienced some hardships, some abuse, some trauma. I mean, just, just fill in the blank, it goes on and on. Some of you know what that feels like. But what we do absolutely know about this individual is that he found himself in a seemingly hopeless and impossible situation. But lucky for him, his story wasn't over because Jesus had just shown up on the scene. Come on, King's House. 
Now, this guy's in a super bad way. Listen to verse 6. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Now this word legion is a term used by the Romans. It was the largest unit within the Roman army. And a legion of Roman soldiers averaged 5,000 people. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a whole lot of demons. This man is a prisoner. This man is trapped behind some walls. Gets kind of weird in verse 10. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them into some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd of pigs of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Come on, Jesus, what a waste, man. All that bacon, are you kidding me? All that sausage, those ribs, that ham. I mean, I have to assume that there were some stray cats running around somewhere. Put them in the cats, Jesus, let the cats drown. Weird, nasty creatures. If you're a cat person, I need to introduce you to Jesus this morning. I'm serious. Poor pigs. Verse 14 says this, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. I mean, can you imagine being those people, seeing all this transpire that day? People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Look at this. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. King's House, can I tell you, that's what happens when Jesus shows up. It was not the end of his story. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and they had had enough, man, they're freaked out. Then the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Watch this, verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus says, no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what they told him. King's House, isn't it amazing what a difference one day in your life can make. When you involve Jesus in the situation, what a difference one day can make. And one day this man went from being possessed by a legion of demons to the very same day. He is a preacher and proclaimer of the good Good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, I know it sounds silly. I know it sounds impossible, but you need to know this morning that that's who Jesus is. And that's what Jesus does. He rebuilds life. He takes broken things and he turns it in to something beautiful. Come on, aren't you thankful this morning? Man, I love Jesus. This illustrates an amazing story. It does. It's amazing. 
But even more so, I believe that it illustrates an amazing Jesus. He's the star of the story, really. Let me back up just a little bit because you need to understand what was happening before all this transpired. I mean, Jesus had, had started his full-blown ministry and crazy things were happening. Jesus had, had been going about his business one day and this leper approached him. And he says, Jesus, if you're willing, I know you can heal me. Jesus says, hold it right there, bud. I am willing. And he broke the rules and he touched that man and it changed and transformed his life. Shortly after that happened, this, this centurion came and said, Jesus, my son's sick, but I don't even need you to come. I just need you to speak the word. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't even go see the boy. He just spoke the word. And he was operating with that much power. That boy was healed. And shortly after that, he's going about his business. And this widow approaches him, says, Jesus, my son's died. It's no problem. He went to that little boy, and he brought that dead boy back to life. Man, multitudes of people are following him. The ministry is exploding. People are getting saved and healed and set free and delivered. It's incredible. Imagine being the disciples. I mean, no one's ever seen or even heard or thought of things like this happening. And then Jesus comes to him one day and says, hey, guys, something really important's come up. We need to go on the other side of the sea. Imagine what those disciples thought, like, my gosh. I mean, look at all this that's going on. And if we need to leave here and go over there, like, what is waiting for us on the other side of that? It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be epic. And they all get in the boat. And they hadn't been in the boat very long, and the storm comes up. Man, the wind's blowing, the waves are crashing, the boat starts taking on water. But Jesus is a man on a mission. The boat starts to sink, and Jesus stands up, and he speaks to the storm. Peace, be still. And the storm stops. And again, I'm sure the disciples were just, oh, my gosh. What is it that's so important that's waiting on the other side of the sea? Why would Jesus be going through all this trouble? What is it that he's putting so much value on? And they finally make it to the other side of the sea. And they get off the boat. And man, I'm sure they're just jazzed up. Whew, can't wait to see what God's going to do. And they're looking. What is it that's so important? What is it that's so valuable? Why would Jesus go to these extreme measures to get us here? And then they find the reason why. One helpless, hopeless, demon-possessed individual. One. Come on. That's, seriously, Mark, one. We just read it. As soon as he set that man free, as soon as he changed his life, Jesus gets back on the boat. He went through all that trouble. He went to those extreme measures for one individual. But King's House, can I tell you, that's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus does. And that's what he is still doing even today. He leaves the 99 every single time to go and find one. So I can confidently tell you today, there is hope today. I can confidently tell you that your story isn't over yet because Jesus is about to show up in your life. 2,000 years ago, 
Humanity was hopeless, helpless. Humanity was prisoners of their own sin that they had created. Mankind was completely cut off and separated from a relationship with God destined for destruction. But God loved the world so much. Aren't you thankful for the but God moments in your life? Jesus left heaven. He came to the earth that he created, but the earth didn't even know him. And though he had done no wrong, the world hated him for it. He lived a spotless, sinless, perfect life. That's the only way that it could work, friends. You see, somebody had to pay the debt that was owed. Somebody had to be punished for sin. And here comes Jesus, who stood in the gap for us, who took our place. It wasn't his sin, it was our sin that he carried. Isaiah describes Jesus as a lamb that was being led away to slaughter. Isaiah 53 says it like this, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. You need to understand this morning, church, that Jesus wasn't forced. He chose the cross. He embraced the cross, believing that you and I were worth every single bit of it. I'm so thankful. He became sin so that we could be sinless. He gave his life so that I could truly live. He suffered and he died so that I could go free. If you ever wondered what real love or real hope looks like, friends, this is it. It is. They took the body of Jesus off the cross. They wrapped him in cloth. They placed him in his tomb. Put a stone in front of the tomb. All oh, the enemy celebrated. Thought he had won. The Messiah was dead. The Son of God had been killed. But the enemy failed to take into consideration one very important fact. And that was the story wasn't quite over just yet. Because that was Friday. And three days later, the enemy found out that death could not hold my Jesus, that the grave could not contain him. With resurrection power and with unquenchable love, he arose, he rolled away the stone, and a very living, victorious Jesus came walking out of the tomb that day, King's House. Can I tell you some good news today? That Jesus is very much alive today, that he is victorious today that he is forever on his throne with the name that's above every other name. He's a big God. And this is where you and I really come into the story. I mean, fast forward 2,000 years, this is where we come into the story. Because since Jesus is alive, he's not dead, and he has the ability to walk into our prisons. He has the ability to walk into our tombs. He has the ability to walk right smack dab 
into the middle of the walls that we've built in our lives. He does. And maybe you're here today and, and you feel hopeless. You're not alone. Maybe you're here today and you just feel absolutely helpless. You feel trapped. You feel forgotten. You feel absolutely alone. You're weighted down by the weight of the world. You're weighted down by, by sin and guilt and shame. Maybe you've done everything that you know how to do today, friends, and it just hasn't worked. No matter what you do, it's just not enough. I have some good news for you. Your story isn't over just yet. As a matter of fact, I think your story's just getting started. Because can I tell you, the very same Jesus that healed the leper, the very same Jesus that brought a little boy back to life is the very same Jesus that walked out of the tomb and is the very same Jesus that is able to knock down your walls today. I'm telling you, he can set you free. I'm telling you, he can forgive your sins. I'm telling you, he can cause the old things to pass away and make everything brand new. He can rebuild your life today, church. And he doesn't stop there. It's amazing. Jesus has this incredible way of taking what the enemy meant for evil he turns it around and he uses it for good. That's good news, isn't it? Oh, he does. And I, I, I'm, I'm under the belief today, church, that the God I serve is bigger than your walls. The God I serve is bigger than your sins. Come on, the God I serve is bigger than your past. The God I serve is bigger than your addiction. The God I serve is bigger than your divorce. The God I serve is bigger than the mess that you've made in your life. He's bigger than all those things. And if you will surrender your heart to him today, he has this amazing way of taking what the enemy meant to be a stumbling block and he turns it in to a stepping stone, King's house. He has a plan and a purpose for your life today. There's nothing he can't heal. There's nothing he can't restore. There is nothing that my Jesus can't rebuild. And what if he came today just for you? What if you're the one that he left the 99 to go and find. I don't know what all you've been through in your life, but he does. I don't have all the answers or any of the solutions really, but I know somebody that does. It's unbelievable that a God like him could love someone like you and me. That he would come to earth that he would pay for your sins, that he would take your punishment, that he would die on the cross for sins that he didn't even commit, that he would do all that, rose from the dead, conquered death, hell and the grave, all that because he loves you. Well, Mark, if that's true, like it's got to be complicated. I mean, what does it cost? What do I have to do to experience this? I mean, a guy that can forgive you and wash away your past and set you free. It's the best, most unbelievable part. It's, it's completely free today. It is. It's completely free. All it requires of us is to say, Jesus, yes, I need you. I want you. I need a Savior, Jesus. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I made a mess of it, God. But God, I'm ready to surrender that to you. 
so that you can begin to rebuild my life. All across this room, would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've been to church for years and years and years of your life. It's dangerous sometimes we equate uh, church attendance with Christianity, and those things are not really connected at all. Spend every night of your life in the garage, you're never going to turn into a car. Hang out at McDonald's 24 hours a day, you're never turning into a cheeseburger. But if you're here today, you would say, Pastor Mark, I just don't know. I don't know that I've ever said yes to Jesus. I don't know that I've ever really surrendered my life. I don't know that I've ever really made him the savior of my life. I don't know that I've ever really had that life-changing moment where he, his Holy Spirit came to live inside of me and something changed. But Mark, I do know that I'm at the end of myself. I do know that I'm so tired of doing things my own way. And I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you this morning, I just want to ask you, on the count of three, just to lift your hands. One. Come on, don't worry about who's around you or what they're going to think. Don't let pride stand in your way. Two. I believe God wants to do something extraordinary in your life today. Come on. Three, lift those hands. I want to say yes to Jesus. Come on, lift them high and keep them up. It's the greatest decision you're ever going to make in your life. Hands going up all over this room, King's house. God is so good. You can put your hands down, and if you would, just would you grab the hand of the person next to you? Jesus said this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. It's not some magic hokey pokey prayer. It's your heart crying out to Jesus saying, I need you, Jesus. So all across this room, would you just pray with me this morning? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I need you to be my Savior. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead, and I believe that you are the only way to heaven. From this day forward, I surrender my life to you. Would you rebuild it? Would you use me? In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, somebody give God a big old praise this morning. I mean a big old praise. So thankful and I'm so blessed and happy that you're here. Uh, I invite you back next Sunday, guys. Hey, before we dismiss, I just want the prayer team to come to the front if you would. Man, if you said yes to Jesus today, uh, man, don't leave here without letting somebody pray with you. Hey, will you put that slide on the on the screen, Gavin? If you said yes to Jesus for the first time today, would you please just text I said yes, all one word, to 97. Zero, zero, zero. I just want to follow up with you and congratulate you and make sure you get started on this incredible journey of following Jesus. But if you need prayer for anything today, please don't leave here without meeting with this prayer team. I love you, King's House. Have a great rest of your Easter. God bless you guys. See you next week. Thank you for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, 
please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you'd like to give towards the ministry of The King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church forward slash giving, or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around in the area and you want to visit, we meet each week at 124 B. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your children before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at our website. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all of our latest messages. You can even listen to King's House Worship original songs from Spotify, Apple Music, or other streaming services. We look forward to seeing you real soon.